welcome you this morning. Well, you guys are looking good. Look to the person next to you and say, man, you look good today. Mm, it's a good looking church. Good looking church going on right here. Hey, so glad you've joined us. And uh, listen, there's a lot of things going on uh, out in the lobby uh, because we have gone live with our new Timber Creek Church app. And if you go to the Android, we go to the Android or iPhone uh, app stores, you can download Timber Creek Church, but do three different words, Timber Creek Church. If you just do one word, Timber Creek, you'll, you'll find uh, Timber Creek Pizza and some other th- apartments and you name it, but, but Timber Creek Church. And here's what's great. When you download the app, it's absolutely free, uh, you're able to access all kinds of information, all of our events, all of the group info. In fact, we usually spend thousands of dollars to put in your hands a brochure for groups that are going to be launching in a couple of weeks. We're putting it all on the app. We'll still have some of you that are still, you know, you're still listening to your Walkman. We'll still have, we'll still have some stuff out in the lobby for you. But, but uh, we want to uh, get you acquainted over the next couple of weeks with our app because so much information is going to be uh, on that app and so easy to, to connect with. I'll also tell you, when you download it, it'll ask you, would you like to have push notifications? We'd invite you to say, allow push notifications because it, it will help us. We're not going to send you something seven times a day, probably once, maybe twice a week at the max, but it's a great way for us to connect with thousands of people that call Timber Creek Church home through the Timber Creek Church app. And right now, you can actually use it in service because uh, on the back of your study notes, uh, you have fill in the blanks. If you go to the Timber Creek Church app and you click on this weekend, uh, it'll take you to another page where you can click on message notes. And there on the app, there are actually fill in the blanks that you can fill in as we're teaching today. And then once you're done, you can push send and you can actually email your notes to yourself or put it in your phone or send a text message. Uh, and you know what? You can do all of this and... and um, and actually look like you're on, on you know, the notes and just play Candy Crush for the rest of the, of the, of the sermon. So, so uh, that's on you. Just turn the volume down, please. But, um, hey, so, so thankful that you're here. I want you to take advantage of that. I think we even have some Chick-fil-A to give away uh, as we have left. Uh, yes, on Sunday, we're giving away some Chick-fil-A to those of you that can show out in the lobby after service, those that you have downloaded the app. We got some free Chick-fil-A for you. So, uh, Enjoy that. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Chick-fil-A. Hey, want to welcome those of you that are watching online and especially our crew at Dieball Correctional Center. You guys, we love you. Let's show our appreciation to our online campus, Dieball Campus. We are two weeks away this week and next week to finishing a series of messages that we've gone chronologically through for the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And I'll be ending, I'll give the conclusion of this series next Sunday. And what's great is you can pick up any time, even if you're a guest today, uh, we have the book, the story that's available in the Cafe Aroma. And it takes the Bible, it takes 80% of the Bible, and it, and it formats it, not in chapters and verses, but in, but in um, basically 31 installments, like in novel form, chronological order, the whole story of God. And here we are in the second 
to the last. We've seen the garden. We've seen the fiery furnace. We've seen the birth of Christ. We've seen the, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And he resurrects and he lives on this earth for another 40 days. More than 400 people are eyewitnesses to his resurrection. And before he leaves, he says to his close disciples, listen, I'm leaving. But before I do, I'm going to give you a gift called the Holy Spirit. It's a person. It's not a thing. It's the person. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You need to wait and you'll be, be clothed with power from this Holy Spirit. In fact, you're going to do more things than I could do if I just stayed in the flesh. Greater things you're going to do through him. You're just going to be amazed, but you, you need this Holy Spirit. And sure enough, as he's about ready to ascend, they say, whoa, 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 that's an awesome gift, but when, will you... Were you gonna, I thought you were going to restore like the nation of Israel and the kingdom. And there was going to be a king. I thought you were going to be king here. They didn't quite understand all that was happening. Uh, and he says, yes, 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 yes. All that's going to happen. That's in due time. But that's for my father to know. In the meantime, wait for this gift and you're going to receive power. And he goes on to Acts chapter 1. And here's what Jesus says. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses. Everybody say Witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you think of a bullseye on a target, the, 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 the bullseye is Jerusalem and there are concentric circles around that move outward. The next circle around was Judea and Samaria and the next circle was through the ends of the earth. And as we read through the book of Acts, this is exactly what happens. For 10 days they wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, which the word Pentecost means 50, it was 50, Pente means 50, it was a celebration in the Jewish culture 50 days after Passover, well, 50 days after the death and then resurrection of Jesus, the Feast of Pentecost is going on, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on the 120 that are gathered in that place. And the birth of the church happens. And then we read all throughout the rest of the book of Acts, which is like the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's more like the Acts of the Holy Spirit, that Acts chapter 1 through 7, they're in Jerusalem, and they're talking in Jerusalem. And then they move beyond the borders of Jerusalem, and they get into, from Acts 8 to 12, Judea and Samaria. And then once they're beyond Judea and Samaria, we begin to see their, their, their methodology move beyond even people that are close to them to the ends of the earth that they knew it at that time. That they were able to get beyond the, 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 the four walls of Jerusalem, beyond the walls of people that were close to them, and to the ends of the earth. And you know, that's what we're called to do as a church. Our Jerusalem is right here in, in Lufkin, Texas, right, right here in, in the Angelina County, in Nacogdoches County. But there is Judea and Samaria outside of our, our city uh, limits and zip codes. There, there's more people in the timber country of East Texas to be reached, and there's more people beyond that to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the ends of the earth, as these apostles like Peter and James and John are communicating, they're arrested for their faith. They're beaten for their faith. They're crucified for their faith. They're, they, they, they are uh, oil, hot oils poured over them. They are um, exiled to islands. They they do it willingly, though, because they knew Jesus and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And not only do we see these apostles doing great things, new people start coming onto the scene. Uh, people like Stephen, who was the first person to be killed in the, for their faith in Jesus Christ, according to uh, the scriptures. And we see another guy show up on the scene. His name is Saul, and he's like the chief persecutor. In fact, at Stephen's stoning, Saul is sitting ringside. And he's, he's grabbing the coats of people so they can warm up their arms and they can stone Stephen. 
And the same man who holds those coats and watches a man stoned to death, bludgeoned to death by rocks. A few years later, he's on his way on a donkey, on his way to Damascus, and God shows up on that road. There's a mass conversion. Jesus presents himself to Saul, and he begins to follow Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and becomes an incredible man of God. Now, you wouldn't think that Jesus was going to use that kind of person. You would think that the only person he was going to use were the 12 disciples that were closest to him when he died and when he resurrected, right? But what Jesus shows us is a pattern. In fact, write it down in your notes. God often chooses the least likely. And he didn't stop with the disciples, and he didn't stop with Saul, and he doesn't stop with us. You know, Jesus chooses this, this posse around him. Tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, foul-mouthed sailors. And he says, I want you to be my dream team. And they're like, okay. I mean, why did God choose crazy, dysfunctional people to be his dream team? Because it's all he had to choose from. It's all he had to choose. Guess who he's using today? Dysfunctional, crazy people. And you are them. And I am one. I mean, look at the person next to you and say, you're dysfunctional. And so am I. But we're going to put the fun in dysfunction today, okay? I mean, God chooses to use people who aren't where they should be, but if they're open and willing, God can do anything through them. And sure enough, Saul's used. Now, some people think that Saul's name was changed to Paul, but actually, Saul had two names. The Bible, the Bible um, says he was Saul, also known as Paul, because he had one parent from Roman background and another parent from Jewish background. And they gave him two names. He had dual citizenship, which proved to be very useful in his journeys. He had dual citizenship. Not only was he a Jew, but he was also uh, connected in uh, Roman government. And because of that, Saul was his name, Jewish name, that kind of connected him inside the Jewish ranks because the very first king of Israel was named Saul. And the name Paul came from Roman authorities, Apollos and Paul. Um, and, and so you see that, that he's got that dual passport. You know why we changed the name from Lufkin First Assembly to Timber Creek Church? So that we could have dual passports wherever we go. So, because Lufkin is Lufkin. But we're building a campus in Nacogdoches. And it's hard to be Lufkin First Assembly in Nacogdoches. It's hard to be Lufkin First Assembly at Dieball Correctional Center. But Timber Creek Church, it's a passport that gets us beyond the city limits and the zip codes. And sure enough, Saul begins to show himself changed by the power of God. And he begins to connect with these disciples, this remnant. What they, they weren't called Christians yet. They were called followers of the way. And in Acts chapter 13, we read that when the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they went and, and then we and then we read. I, I actually put that in there as, as, my, as my notes. And then they sent them off. I, that's my own words there. They sent them off. Now, here's what's crazy. The New Testament church, the New Testament, they had experienced Jesus, and they were still fasting and praying. Do not rely on yesterday's experience with God, everybody. Don't rely on what you experienced back in the day at camp, students or parents, or friends, or that one service that really got you, but then since then, that's all you've been living on. They were consistently seeking the face of God. 
and they sent off their best leaders. And the Apostle Paul then, as he sent off three missionary journeys, establishes 10 plus churches all throughout the region, and he writes 13 of the 27 books that we have in the New Testament. Almost half of the books of the New Testament. And not only does Paul just go out there and it's like everything is uh, daisies and buttercups. No. Like he's got issues that he's got to deal with. He gets shipwrecked and he's, he's uh, uh, thousands of miles on foot. And it's not just like a flat, you know, like a, a tour across Kansas. It's mountainous terrain and he is bullied by people that he thought he could trust and he's spat on and stoned by people in cities that that were listening to the word i mean he went through unbelievable circumstances three those three missionary journeys we could talk about today we could talk about him being snow we could talk about different places he went and how they responded to the gospel but really what we want to do today is not learn about the journey that he was on as far as the destination, but more who, what kind of journey he was on as a, as a person. Take your notes and write this down. My journey is not about where I'm going, but who I'm becoming along the way. You know, most of us will never see the things Paul saw. Most of us will never experience the kind of persecution that Paul experienced. Most of us will never walk the footsteps of the different missionary journeys, although there are trips designed for that. And, and we, as a church, want to develop those. And actually, in the next year and year and, year and a half to come, we want to plan some trips to the Holy Land and, tra- and, and some trips. How many of you be interested? You say, I'd, I'd like to go on a trip like, like that. How many of you like for us just to pay for the whole thing? Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. But if you want to go on the trip, we'll, we'll talk about it and we'll, we'll see if that's something because there's just nothing like seeing. But m- most of us won't, won't experience that. But all of us will experience leaving a legacy. In fact, every single one of you are leaving a legacy, some on purpose, some without direction. Every single person in the sound of my voice, there will be a legacy you leave. I hope that you will be intentional about who you're becoming because at the end of the journey, Who you have become is the legacy you have left. And the good thing is, even when you feel like you've messed up, Paul was ringside to a a stoning, and yet God redirected his path. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, and you feel like, oh, man, I've, I've just messed so much of my life up, God is always willing to work with where you are because he sees beyond where you are to where you can go who you can become, and what you can do. So for the rest of the time we have together, I want to talk about some some leading indicators of living a legacy. Well, we can talk about leaving a legacy, but that's after the fact. What are the things that Paul did every single day consistently that brought him to the point where he could tell a young little uh, pastor called Timothy to preach the word and pour yourself out. And even as he penned, that was his final, his final words there as he penned those, those words to Timothy and later he was, was executed in prison. He lives his final, takes his final breaths to write thoughts to a young preacher and hand down the legacy. What can we do to where we're handing off the right things and living right now the way we ought to live? Because if you wait till back, starting to think of your legacy at the, in the fourth quarter, you've waited way too long. We all are living and leaving a legacy right now. So 
When I'm living that kind of legacy, here are some action steps for us. Number one, I'm living a life that is faithful along the way. It's not faithful when God is faithful and everything's daisies and buttercups. It's easier to be faithful when things are good and blue skies smiling at me. Right? Um, It's easier to be faithful when there's money in the bank and people say you're the best. and, And just like things are going good and your kids are like, hey, can we clean our room? You know, it's easy to be faithful. It's easy to be faithful. But when things don't go well, that's when people get faithful in spurts. Like, we're faithful on Sunday, bless God, but Monday through Saturday, you know, roll the dice. You know? I mean, this is a church anyone can come to, even if you're nursing a hangover. But that's not like the kind of faithfulness God's called you to live, is be faithful on a Sunday and then just kind of live Live it up the rest of the week. We've got to be committed to this thing. And Paul showed us commitment along the way. In fact, he's not bragging about it. He's not boasting. In fact, he wants to make that incredibly clear in the book of 2 Corinthians. But he gives us just a little bit of a paragraph of all that he went through. I mean, li- listen, to, listen to this. He says, look, everybody, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Beaten within an inch of his life five different times. There, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Not on the open sea. In the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. Some of you young moms feel that way right now, you know. We're not talking about shipwreck, you're just talking about your two-year-old, you know. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Like that's external pressure on him. But then he had internal pressure of what God was calling him to do. You ever felt that? You, you, something inside you you want to accomplish, you want to do, you want to make happen. Man, I feel that as your pastor. God, it's not my vision. God has a big old crazy, audacious, hairy vision for this church. And it's going, we're going to fail at it if we try it on our own strength. But with God, all things are possible. And yet I feel that tension between all the external realities, but yet what God is saying to us and our leadership of where we have to go and what we have to do next. And I, I, I to a little bit, I've not been shipwrecked and thank God I haven't been lashed. I, I did get spanked with the belt a time or two when I was a kid, but nothing like Paul here. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. <laughs> He's like, you think you're weak? <laughs> get in line, bucko. He, look at this. Look at this. You catch this close. Who is led into sin? And I don't inwardly burn. What he's saying is, you're tempted? Yeah. Me too. You got issues? Yeah. 
I've been praying like three different times for God to remove a thorn in my flesh. I, I got issues too. And yet he was faithful. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. Do not come to this church thinking you got to be perfect to follow Jesus. In fact, nobody except Jesus himself is perfect. But there does require an element of us putting behind us the past. Don't drive your car in the rear view, everybody. You got to face forward and be faithful starting today. Today, right now, are you with me? You know, you even read that they moved into uh, Lystra, one of the cities. And here's what happened in Acts chapter 14. They stoned Paul, they dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. I mean, they stoned the sucker, and then they dragged his body halfway outside the city. And after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Like, what? Look, 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 look. If this were my biography... Okay? This would read probably a little different. It would probably read, and they stoned Jeremy and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead because he was. Number one. (laughs) Or it could read, thinking he was dead, but after his friends had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city and burned the place down. Like, like that would be me, you know? (laughs) Pouring gasoline on their car, you know? Paul was faithful. He knew he had to go back in the city because there was still more Jesus to share. Faithful over his own security. Faithful over his own comfort. Faithful despite opposition. Listen to me now. Listen close. Many people don't like a God that disagrees with their own life. People don't like a God that disagrees with someone who's uncomfortable with what his Bible says. But if you're looking for a God that is always comfortable with what you think, It might just be that the God you're serving is you. Let me say it again. When we try and serve a God that meets all of our own specifications and needs and emotions, it may be that we've just formed God into a God that's us versus the God of the Bible, the God of the universe. He was faithful despite opposition, comfort, and security. There's this old movie called Rudy. It's about this football player who walks on at the University of Notre Dame. And he's not the tallest, he's not the brightest, he's not the strongest. But man, that kid's got some grit. He's got some hustle. And I mean, he just works hard every single practice. And at first he's laughed at. But eventually the entire team begins to see the passion in this kid. The faithfulness in this kid. And there's one gifted athlete who's frustrated with Rudy. And they're in this little scuttle at practice, the last practice of the season. The coach comes over and says, what's going on, O'Hara? And here's what O'Hara says to the coach. O'Hara says, it's the last practice of the season. And Rudy acts like it's the Super Bowl. And the coach says, that statement sums up your entire career, O'Hara. In other words, O'Hara, you don't get it. You don't get it. And I wonder if some of us had good intentions, but it didn't quite work, so maybe you feel like it's too late to start now. I'm saying today's the Super Bowl, everybody. 
And guess what tomorrow is? It's the Super Bowl. Let's get out there. Let's be faithful, regardless of what it looked like. Oh, so you're having to nurse a broken relationship. I know that's tough. That's tough. We want to help you with that. When our groups start back in just a couple weeks, there are places you can go, people that are going through broken stuff too, and you can find a place. You got to take a next step though. You can't just assume that's all there is. Be faithful even now. Get out there. Get some grit like Paul and live the legacy you want to leave. Number two, I'm living a life that's joyful through suffering when I'm living like Paul. When I'm living a legacy, I'm joyful through suffering. Wow. That's a tough, tall order. Happiness is when... Our circumstances are favorable. Suffering is when our favorable circumstances go away. Joy is trusting God and leaning on him despite my circumstances, whether they be favorable or unfavorable. In Acts 13, we see this joyfulness in action. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city, the whole city, could you imagine 35,000 people in Lufkin, Texas showing up on a Sunday, on a, on a, it was Saturday then, but it was a Sunday now. Gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds around Paul, they were still sacrificing a goat in the temple. And everybody left saying, man, dude, what's this guy saying over here? What? They, they were filled with jealousy. They were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Verse 50, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they expelled them from their region. So, do you know what Paul and Barnabas did? They shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them, and they went to Iconium. But the scripture doesn't stop there. I mean, they just got pushed out from a huge 35,000-person auditorium sharing the gospel, and they came up against opposition, and they were forced outside the city. But the next scripture, look at what it says. (laughs) And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can you believe we just got kicked out of that place? Ah, uh, what's next? Let's do it. Where are we gonna go next, Silas? I don't know where you want to go, boss. Let's just, I don't, let's just go, let's go. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys were about ready to stone us. Whoa, that would have been crazy. Jesus was gonna have to get us out of that one, wasn't he? <laughs> I know, boss, man, that was crazy. All right, let's go. Later on, we we see that the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. It was the jail within the jail. It was solitary confinement uh, with just a couple other people in there. It was the the dungeon, basically, the inner dungeon. He put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stocks. They're they're chained to the ground there in this dark, wet dungeon. And they're there. And they're waiting. Other people in the prison. Paul, sitting there in his chains, (sighs) turns to Silas. He says, Silas, you thinking what I'm thinking? Silas says, Taco Bell. (laughs) And Paul's like, no, no, worship night. Let's start a worship night. 
the Bible says, about midnight. Paul and Silas, having been flogged and beaten and put in the, put in the dungeon and chained up, they were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Listen, friends, listen close. I want to talk to you that come to Timber Creek every single week. Can I say something to you? It is critically important that you don't come as a spectator, but you come as a worshiper on Sunday morning. And you know why? You know why? Because it's not about, well, I wonder what the church is going to do for me this week. Your, your, your position, your posture when you come timber, I'm not talking about people, they're part of church. Like if, you, if you're just kind of visiting, dipping your toe in the water, figuring out, is this church even for me? That guy doesn't even wear a suit and tie. I mean, whatever. Like just, just, just listen. Just, you're, you're fine. Just hang on. But Timber Creek, listen, you've got to come into this place. And I'm, I'm going to talk to you for a second. I need, I need as many of you as will. I need you to stop sitting towards the back, and I need you to move to the front. Don't do it this Sunday. Next Sunday. Don't do it right now. You know, you know, you know, distract everybody. I need to start sitting more towards the front. We need to make we need the back rows more available for those that are coming in late that, that have never even been here. And you know what else? When we show a video to this prison campus and you see this shot and you see all you empty chair, like I want to fill the front of this place. Fill the front. It's also a sign of like I'm going to anticipate God doing something. If you're not able to sit in the front because you got to step out or do whatever, do whatever you got to do. I'm not being legalistic about it. But I'm inviting every, every single one of you that can take two rows up. Come two rows up. Come on. Do, do it. Not, not right now. Not right now. Two rows up. Two rows up. Number one. Number two, you got to walk into this room. Not saying, what am I going to get out of worship today? But saying, God, what are you going to get out of my worship today? God, what are you going to get? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The other people were listening to them. They were watching. I've been told all my life that the church is full of hypocrites. <laughs> They're partially true. When people walk through the doors of Timber Creek Church, when they walk through the doors there at, at Die Ball and they see what's going on, when they walk, when they see online or in the Nacogdoches location, I want people to be able to walk in and listen and see before they even interact, before they even worship, that they see people that really love Jesus and like look like they're happy. Like you do two things for me. When you come on this campus, will you do this for me? Do, do it beyond me. Do it for Jesus. You can help with two things. Smile and sit closer. <laughs> Smile and sit closer. Is that a deal with everyone? Is that a deal? Come on now. Is that a deal? Now, come on. I need you to next week. Scoot up a little bit, okay? And the other prisoners were listening to them. You make an example. Even when you feel like you're chained down yourself, Timber Creek, but you offer up praise and worship. My circumstances are not going to determine whether I sing, you are good. Because you're good whether my feet are in stocks or not. That's the kind of legacy Paul lives. Number three, I'm living a life that loves through adversity. When I'm living the kind of legacy I want to leave. And the, the story goes on. As they were worshiping and the prisoners were listening, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were... <laughs> Shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Whoa. Now, Dieball, you're listening to this. You know, you're getting excited. 
But pay attention, <laughs> pay attention. The jailer woke up. Now watch. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And they could have. But Paul shouted, no, 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 don't put the sword down. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Here's what happens. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And that hour of the night, midnight, late, early, both, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. They didn't wait till second Sunday. They were baptized in that moment. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Let me talk to you in die ball for a moment. Our 150 guys that join in on Wednesday nights watching this sermon right now, listen. You guys worship with abandon like I want our Lufkin campus to worship. Because I know a lot of you, you have nothing else to lose. You, you know what all your freedoms being stripped away, what that feels like. But I also know that if you're not careful, you can worship with abandon in this room and walk right out of the room you're in. And, and you can act like the devil just like people in this church, in this location, can worship God and go act like the devil outside. So I just want to talk to Diabol for a moment. Listen, guys. The people in authority over you, they're watching. They're watching. Don't be one way in this room. And then twist who Jesus really is by not being that way outside this wall. I know that if people watch me 24-7, they'd have a different picture of me than just what they see on the platform. Because they'd see all my insecurities, my issues, and times I lose my cool. But I want to invite you. There are people watching you, die ball. Be an example. Be an example. People are watching you, Lufkin location. Don't just worship Jesus here. Worship outside. You receive that? You receive that, die ball? Come on. Let, let, let's honor God with go for it, guys. Do what you need to do. Be real. The whole household was saved. Okay, i got to turn and start heading home in this message here. Number four, I'm living a life that is worth following when I'm living a legacy. <laughs> I mean, some of you say, follow me, I'll lead the way. And you turn around, nobody's following. Look, if you're a leader and you turn around and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk. That's <laughs> all it is. You're just walking somewhere. Be the kind of leader people want to follow, that aren't demanded to follow. Come on, boss, manager, don't be, the, don't be the manager that says, I demand your respect. Be the manager that shows respect, that lives it out, that people want to follow, not just have to follow. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Now, parents, listen to, I want to talk to the parents for a minute. Be the kind of example to your kids that makes them want to know Jesus more. We are a horrible substitute for godly parenting. 
KidWorks is designed for kids fifth grade and under, 11 years old and under, fifth grade and under. An environment for them to experience Jesus. You got 11 and under here in the room, that's fine. We're, we're glad they're with you. But if, you're, if they're just in here just because they're in here, you are missing out, kiddos. You tell your mom, I want to be in KidWorks because there's so much incredible stuff designed. But that is a horrible substitute for mom and dad or just dad or just mom, depending on your circumstance. It could never take the place of you saying, follow me. And I so know some of you, 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 get, you get a frog in your throat when I say that. Because you go, I haven't been the example. I haven't been, I haven't. Okay, Saul was ringside, but he became the example. You become the example starting today. Do it today. Because can I challenge you with this quote? What if? My greatest contribution to this world is not what I do, not the church I pastor, not the sermons I write, not the staff that I lead. But what if my greatest contribution to this world is the two little children I'm raising? I've got to lead them behind the doors, not just from the pulpit, but from behind closed doors at the home. And the way I talk to my spouse and the way I lose or keep my cool is whether or not I'm truly leaving the kind of legacy God wants me to leave. Are you with me this morning? I know this is hard, but, but truth is sometimes difficult. But it's possible with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul does all these incredible things, sees all these miracles, sees all these, writes all these books, and now we're talking about, a couple thousand years later, we're talking about Paul. You know the Roman emperor at the time was Nero? You don't hear much about Nero. There's not a whole lot of uh, Nero cathedrals out there. But you go across the world and you'd be shocked at how many places, how many buildings are called St. Paul's Cathedral, St. Paul's Church, St. Paul's Bridge, St. Paul's. Why? Because Paul, was, man, he was legendary. But he never lived to be legendary. He lived to be a legacy. But what was the secret to Paul's success? Write it down. What was the secret to Paul's success? I'm going to give it to you. I know the secret. <laughs> and we'll talk about it next Sunday. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to give it to you right now. His travel companion. His travel companion was his best secret. Now, yes, it was that he was not alone in his travels because he had Barnabas and Silas and, and, and he had John Mark and he had... Timothy, and he had several others that we, that we just hear about in Scripture. He had his buddies. It's why you need people in community. It's why groups are so important around here. It's why it's important that we be in Christian community, not just in church on Sunday and in community out there. We need community with like-minded Christ followers. But that wasn't the best travel companion. The travel companion that made the difference in Paul's life was the person of the Holy Spirit. All throughout the books... Paul says, and guided by the Holy Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit, as I've heard from the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit, as I yield to the Holy Spirit, as I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit is not an idea. The Holy Spirit is not a spooky thing. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of goosebumps you feel in a good service. The Holy Spirit is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Emmanuel means God with us. God with us is Jesus in the flesh. Then he breathes the Spirit of God in us. That's God in us. God with us is great. He said God in us is greater. God with us is great. God in us is greater. But guess what? God in us, guiding us, 
is the greatest. God with us is great. God in us is greater. God in us guiding us, speaking to us. In fact, he guides us. He speaks to us. He acts through us. He leads us. He calls us. He forbids us. He knows. He teaches. He decides. He comforts. He encourages. He even grieves like a widow next to a casket. He grieves over actions. He grieves over us. He's a person. And you know, when we are guided by the Holy Spirit, it's like a tandem bicycle. It's like we get on, but you're not in front. Like you take this one that's got the fake handlebars. It's just to make you feel good. The Holy Spirit says, hop on. I'm in you, but if you'll let me guide you, even greater things. And, and the whole, But we love the handlebars, everybody. We love to be in charge. Many of us, instead of saying, Holy Spirit, take us, many of us look like this. You're like, you go that way, I'll go this way. I love you. Holy Spirit's with me. But I'm kind of going to do my thing, you know. But it's so critical that we let him be the guide. Jiminy Cricket had it wrong. Always let that conscience be your guide. Jiminy Crickets, don't listen to crickets. They're liars. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's our guide. And we're in tandem, connected to him. I, I think of another example of tandem. And I think of when I went skydiving, a surprise skydiving gift that my wife gave me on my birthday a couple of years ago. I landed on a perfectly good plane in Houston and we went to Papacitos and we had some Mexican food and while I was there she said, surprise, I know it's your birthday in a couple days, we're taking you skydiving here in Houston. And for a minute there I was like, are you, are you trying to gift me or are you trying to get rid of me? What's going on here? <laughs> sure enough, we showed up to the, the place and, and uh, I was kind of excited. I mean, I'd never done it before. I would wanted to do it. I was excited and nervous at the same time. And so um, they connected me with my instructor, and they had a photographer. And, and this, is, this is me and, my, and, and the guy I'm going to go tandem with. And, and, and this is me kind of like, yeah, let's do this, baby. Excited, right? And we're getting ready to get on that perfectly good airplane and jump out of it at however many thousands of feet. A few thousand feet up, the photographer got my attention and again took a picture. I don't know if this guy's looking at the, I don't know what he's doing, if he's praying or what. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm excited. I'm smiles like, hoo, 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 hoo. but then they open the door to the plane. <laughs> and my smile went from here to the photographer caught me doing this. And I don't know if I was hyperventilating. I don't know if I was speaking in tongues. I don't know what. I was getting nervous. Because that plane, that door was open. And I could see. And there were two or three people in front of us. And they started, they started jumping out of that plane. And it gets to the point where it's so loud up there, they had to show us some different signals. And before we were going out of the plane, the, the instructor was saying, now listen, listen. You got to, don't hold on to anything. Like when we say go, we go. You, you know, you try and hang on to the door and we jump out. We'll get, you know, we'll, we'll get hurt. So you got to trust, trust me, trust me. I know what I'm doing. You're going to have to let me guide this thing. And sure enough, we get onto the edge and my face goes from prayer to, oh, dear <laughs> Jesus in heaven. This is happening. 
this is really happening. Oh my God, this is happening. I wet myself a little bit. I ain't gonna lie. I did. I did. I ain't gonna, whatever. Don't judge me. And then it was the point of no return. Just out, like, one, uh, like a flicker, like one moment later. And we're, it is done. It is, it is, I feel, I'm, I'm just, I, Jesus, in your name I pray, receive my spirit. <laughs> and we jump out of that plane. And he gets going and he's get his hands in. And things started to calm down and all of a sudden, whoa, whoa. I was nervous, but it turned into this exhilarating moment because I had a perspective I had never had before. I had a view that I couldn't see from inside the plane. I, I had a feeling that I can't explain to you unless you were just up in the air with me. I was completely out of control. But my instructor, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And he gave me some signals and he, he's, he's, he's getting my head up and he's looking around and to see the landscape, to see the, just, just to, to feel what I felt. But I had to surrender to the instructor and I had to obey in order to experience it. Would you write this down? The greatest indicator of living a legacy is going to be a life of glad surrender and trustful obedience. Can I be honest with you? I wasn't glad about the surrender that day until I experienced what I experienced. And I said, oh, wow. Wow. I got onto the ground. My kids were like, was that amazing? I said, oh, that was something. That was something. I'm just glad to see you again. I said, man, there's nothing like it. And if you can learn to let the Holy Spirit say, I, trust me, trust me, I got this. We're going to jump into some places where I know your marriage looks the way it looks. I have a better perspective. Would you trust me? And let's try and get a different perspective here. Would you surrender to me, obey me? Stop trying to obey your own senses, your own emotions, your own feelings, your own. I'm going to have the last word. Which would you glad surrender to me and trustfully obey? Now listen, I end with this thought. It was awesome getting to meet my instructor in the hangar. We, we did not stand <laughs> that close when we were in the hangar. We had to get closer. We had to get closer. Some of you are, you're close to Jesus. It's time to get closer. You, you, you've been following. You can get closer. You've been living for Jesus for a long time, friends, until you are on the other side of eternity. You can get closer. So my question for you today, what's holding me back from getting closer to Christ? What's holding me back from truly stepping out and experiencing what the Holy Spirit has for me next so that I might live the kind of legacy I would want to leave? Over the next three weeks, August 8th, 15th, and 22nd, those Wednesdays, we are having closer 
nights. A one-hour worship and prayer experience. We've done them before. We'll continue to do them. And until I'm not the pastor, we're going to do them. We're going to do them until I'm not the pastor. Because the enemy is after your worship. If the enemy can steal your worship, he's got you. But what I want to do is invite you to not wait till Wednesday. But as a benediction to this service, in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And the same way that Paul and Silas worshiped in the middle of circumstances that were unfavorable. I'm going to invite us to stand and worship in this next song, and then I'll come and dismiss you. But before I do that, would you close your eyes? Maybe you're here or you're one of our locations, and you've never invited Jesus to breathe his life into your life. You've been trying to do this thing disconnected, going solo. Jesus has designed life to be tandem with the Holy Spirit. If that's you and you need to recommit your yourself to Jesus or for the first time, for the first time say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. If that's you and say, Pastor, would you help me pray that? I'd love to, but you, you've got to admit that that's where you want to be. So if you say, Pastor, would you include me in a prayer? I, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus today. If that's you here or in one of our locations right now, just put a hand up in the air. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just put a, just put a hand up. I, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need Jesus to breathe his spirit in me. I want to leave the kind of legacy that he's called me to leave. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for those that are experiencing, just like the jailer experienced, experienced the presence of you. Lord, we surrender to you today. In your own words, you say, Jesus, I make a terrible savior for myself. I fix my mistakes, but I can't fix my sin. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I give you all the weight I'm carrying. I can't carry it on my own. I, I thank you that you, you can help me give everything to you. I release my hands on stuff that's been holding me back and I want to draw closer to you. And friends, as you draw close to him, he draws close to you. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, maybe you're going through a struggle. Maybe you've had the, the emotional lashing or you've had the shackles that feel like have just got you stuck. If that's you, be honest with yourself, honest with God, and I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, would you put a hand in the air? I'm struggling with some stuff, just some stuff. Yeah, 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 me too. Me too, everybody. Would you stand with me? Everybody in the room, everybody at all, stand with me. Father, we thank you. That in the middle of our struggle, just like Paul and Silas, we choose today. We don't feel, we don't, we don't cross a certain line and all of a sudden, you know, we don't wait until after the prison. We choose in this moment. We will worship you. In Jesus' name. And Father change the atmosphere in this place. Friends, listen. Go ahead, guys. Friends, when we worship, the atmosphere changes. That's what this song says. 
the atmosphere changes in, in what we see, in what we've got, what we're thinking about. Because when we don't worship, we think about the chains and about the dungeon. When we worship, we put our mind on Christ. And he is able to shake down any chains, any walls, any hurt, any trouble you've ever experienced. So, Father, speak to us as we worship you. Go ahead, Seth. Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all right. Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing now. Spirit of the Lord. Evidence is all around. The spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds us. You're the to encounter 
Right now, in your own words, in your own words, you'd simply say, Holy Spirit, I want all that you have for me. God, if you want to lead me into a next place, if you want to speak to me about something that, that's off-center and I've not, I've not been living the way you want to live, that you want me to live, I, I, I'm tandem with you. Would you offer that up to the Lord this morning? How many of you are asking the, the, that you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Can I, can I see a raised hand? Father, we invite you to do more through us, in us, beyond us, not for just us, but for your glory, Lord. You did not empower Paul with what he had just for Paul, but it was for the neighborhood and for the city and for a country and for a world. And so Holy Spirit, change the atmosphere, not of this room alone, but the atmosphere of our hearts and our families and our offices, the atmosphere of our marriages and our parenting. Father, we invite you, Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do. We love you. Come on, just worship him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. book of Acts shows us not a moment where the Holy Spirit and the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit stopped there. It just, it continues to move and go and change people's lives. Nobody's life has changed without the power of the Holy Spirit wooing them. I, I don't save anybody. You don't save anybody, but we lead them to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit woos them, their life changes from the inside. Listen, if you were going to be at three more services this year, to be honest with you, I'm asking you, be at the Wednesday, August 8, 15, and 22nd. We will start 21 days of prayer. We did 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and feasting this year. So you can just eat, you can just eat, just eat, just eat, it's okay. But we're going to do 21 days of prayer starting August 8th. There's going to be a calendar that you get on your app and also as you walk out the doors, but if there were three services you could attend, I, I want to invite you. Would you be at the Wednesday night, closer nights, one hour, worship and prayer, and let's see the chains fall off us, our city, our friends, our relatives, our associates and neighbors. Would you say amen? Hey, the finale of the story next Sunday, I can't wait to talk about the second coming of Jesus, the new heavens and the new earth, a promise for every believer. Bring a friend.